Bring out Elizabeth Selwyn. The tortured souls cried out in agony as the flames mounted higher and higher. Burn, witch, burn, witch, burn, burn, burn. Those I've said in these known today are the actual practice of witchcraft in the 17th century. Um, so tell us, tell the people that are going to be listening, tell us a little bit about you, like how you, um, were you always into horror? Did you get into it? How you did, what was your gateway drug and how you got to where you're at right now? My gateway drug. I would have to say Tim Burton. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ever since, uh, nightmare before Christmas, what was that? 90s 90s yeah like 91 or 92 somewhere around there yeah it's funny because i'm not so much into like real horror as i am into like i guess it's like more of a artistic kind of maybe g-rated horror like tim burton um atmospheric stuff yeah yeah more of an aesthetic you know like Mm -hmm. i follow artists who have like horror in their work but more on an emotional level more than like, you know, a more murderous kind of like, I just got into AHS. I'm watching that now. And um, oh, okay. I'm late to the game. I know like everyone's good. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I right? got into American Horror Stories, especially the first season. I was all in on the first season. Like I couldn't wait to see it. And I liked the whole horror story, you know, the, the, the horror house type premise. Yeah, I've seen that one. The murder house. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that one. Have you watched all of them? I've seen bits and pieces of all of them. They, they lose me a lot of times. And I've, I've grown to really dislike American Horror Story because I feel like they start off with such a good premise. And then halfway through each season, they fall flat on their face. Like they don't know what to do with it. Like the circus one with the clown and the, and the clown's got that rictus, you know, this mask and then he can pull it off and it's almost like a gaping hole in his face. Um, and there's all the, these creepy set pieces that they have um, or the, the asylum where it starts off with a great idea, but um, you know, like mid through midway through, they bite off more than they can chew. They have like, insane people they have uh serial killers they have um aliens they have demonic possession it's like holy christ like what the hell's going on here so but double mumbo jumbo yeah there's one season that i liked was like roanoke did you see that one uh the only ones i've seen i'm sorry i'm distracted my cat is shredding my chair um uh, the only two that I've seen are 1984 and The Murder oh, House. Okay. I agree, like, partway through the season, I'm like, okay, the story's getting really wild, like, kind of out there. Um, that was, not- that was the, actually, uh, 84 is the only one I've seen. And, oh, okay. and it's true is that, you know, it starts out really good, but they just keep packing in, you know, too much. Too much. And you're, 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 you're losing the story that way, you know? Yeah, it's way too much. Uh, yeah. So so Tim Burton was kind of like a, a gateway and that's that's a great movie. I, I'm a huge fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, um, yeah, even yeah. just getting into like the collectibles of it. So tell me a little bit more. So you went there and you were like, I dig this. Did you ever see like Beetlejuice before that? Oh, yeah. I love all Tim Burton movies. Beetlejuice okay. I saw when I was a kid. And it's funny because I, I thought my kids would love it. And, you know, it's it's not really a scary movie. My kids are kind of young, but I'm like, okay, I think they can handle Beetlejuice. It's not, you know, it's not gory or anything. They were terrified. Right. 
Oh, and they really? Watched, like, some crazy stuff, and they, they were terrified after being like, <laughs> Oh my god! Like, but I, you know, I really, they love Nightmare Before Christmas. They love Coraline. They love Ghost okay. Ride. They love all the stuff that that I watch that I like. So I, I but I was wrong about Beetle. But I love Beetlejuice. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, definitely love Tim That's Burton. Awesome. Um, so yeah, like in that respect, the movies, that's the kind of stuff that I'm into. I'm not really into really, um, more, more horror than that. Like I was never really into the Friday the 13th or the nightmare on Elm Street. I saw them when I was a kid. They terrified me. They're kind of terrifying me. I think they made Lenny and I laugh, you know, but, you know, no, no. And here's the deal. Like when I was a kid, I, I couldn't wait to be terrified. And I would watch movies and I go over this all the time. Like my first horror movie was the movie Blackula and I was watching it on TV. I was still living in Brooklyn at the time. I was probably eight or nine years old and we were watching it. And there's always this, you know, this scene in the movie about halfway through where they're in a morgue and the door opens up. And so the, this woman rises from the slab, you know, she was killed by the vampire and she rises and becomes a vampire. And this guy's on the phone and he's, you know, someone's telling him, Hey, make sure you lock the door or keep her in the freezer or whatever. And he turns around and this woman, like this terrifying face and she's running down the hall with this wild hair, you know, and she kills the guy, but you don't expect it to happen. And I jumped out of my skin. It scared the living crap out of me. I had nightmares for weeks and I, I couldn't sleep. It. Yeah, but I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. And that's how I kind of live my life. Always, you know, as a kid wanting to be terrified um, and and being afraid of being terrified, you know, like I was always scared of it and the repercussions of it were like nightmares. But when cable TV came about, you know, I was young, I was little, uh, like maybe 12 years old. We were living in Long Island at the time um, and I was able to watch horror movies from on cable TV without my parents, with no one with me, you know, I was able to like pretend I went to bed and then I would sneak into the living room and watch horror movies by myself because I, I, with the lights off and everything, because I wanted that moment of pure terror. You know, I wanted to be scared. I wanted to like, I would, you know, look behind my, behind me, you know? Um, so I love that, but I would always suffer the consequences of it. So I think even to this day, I'm always waiting for those moments of terror you know, to be scared again. And I feel yeah. like I'm a little kid almost. Um, anyway, that's interesting. So that's... that's not me at all. Like, I don't want to be scared. I don't like, no? to be scared. like, I don't watch scary movies. When I was a kid, I think I watched The Exorcist. And um, yeah. that, that haunted me for, for a while. But yeah. um, I think, you know, the aesthetic of my work, uh, it's derived a lot from emotion. It is. It has a horror feel to it. And I use a lot of blood and I use a lot of, um, you know, situations that are horrific, but uh, it's more derived from emotion and kind of representative of like situations and mental health struggles and stuff like that. And it kind of presents as horror. Um, and some people like, the, like people have even messaged me. They're like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? And even like my mom, she's like, oh, that's so gross. What are you doing? <laughs> but it's like it's just been a very cathartic way to deal with stuff. Yeah, I was More gonna as say as it's got to be cathartic. It's absolutely. You know, it's, I love I love the you know because you accompany 
the the pictures that you create and i want to get into that in a second too but i love how you accompany that with for people who especially who may not understand what you're what you're trying to get at you know it, 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 you accompany with a, a text you know stating like relationship wise like you know right. this is a knife in the back and you're like you know codependency you know and i'm saying to myself holy fuck like that's really an intense way to look at it and i and i just love how you put things together you know the the i think you know for a lot of people it's raw you know and they don't like to address their emotions or wear them on their sleeve but right. you're doing it in such a way that it's so beautiful and creative um you're welcome. I just really, I connected with it immediately. And I had no idea. Like I, I knew, I guess that you were, you know, artistic. Um, but, you know, we kind of get all caught up, you know, I remember you used to work at the bank and every once in a while I would see you at the bank in the drive through, you know, like, Hey, Tina, you know, and we would, you would just see each other there. And, and then people, you know, kind of miss each other for years and we live there our lives. You know, I had, I had a kid, you have kids, we get married, we go through divorces and relationships and everything. And you don't realize that people are living their life too. And then, you know, when they have an artistic way of expressing these feelings, sometimes you connect with them because you feel like, I know what, you, what you're going through. I know what you've been through, or at least you feel like this person's, the way that they deal with things speak to me. And it makes me feel like I'm, I'm less alone in some of these feelings too. And I think well, that's really my hope in the, in the putting it out there is that someone can find it relatable yeah. And help, you know, which I mean, I think a lot of people, music, writing, or if you're putting your emotions out there, I've always been an open book. And I'm like, I might as well put everything out there just to make it relatable to try and uh, help people who are struggling because sometimes you do feel like you're the only person. And it's funny, like you and I reconnected on this level because, like you said, the bank was 20 years ago. I know, you know, and that was just in passing. And this is like a more you know, I'm glad you enjoy my work. Um, we do have that common, common ground. Yeah, like it. it's, it's yeah. very, um, I, I was telling Lenny, it's very polished. Like there was, it's very professional. Um, like take us through the process of, of doing it because there's a lot of technical technicality in that. And, and if you could uh, discuss some of that, like I noticed like you have these um, PNG packs and things like that. Because I was wondering, I was looking at it, I was like, damn, how did she, you know, get some of these things in, in these photos, you know, uh, that, that it's cat. actually not the cat, like there's a cat, a snake, a, you know, a cougar. <laughs> yeah, the pet cougar is awesome. That was the one thing. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on here? Like, how does she have a cougar? Yeah. And I'm like, I, we need to ask like some of these things. So, yeah, tell us about your tricks. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, well, I've always had I've always had a love of photography since I was a little kid. Um, I think for Christmas when I was very young, my grandparents bought me a one of those little one ten disc cameras. And oh, then yeah. after high school, yeah, remember those one ten? Yeah. And then on uh, high school, right after high school, I got a thirty five millimeter camera, and we're talking about the nineties. Um, dating myself now. Uh, I had to set up a dark room in my bathroom. I would develop my own film. So I always had like a love of photography, but, and I always wanted to learn Photoshop, but it just never seemed reasonable for me to go to school. You know, I was always working. So, you know, there was a point in my life I was working two jobs. I was always, you know, um, on my own, but you know, a few years back after my second child was born, it really became important for me to 
learn editing and Photoshop. And I wanted to do this to get the best photos possible of my kids. Uh, all along, I had liked photographing, you know, I do like flowers and animals. And you, I think any photographer starts out just shooting whatever. They just get a camera and they're just, and I see people doing it. And I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. Just take pictures of everything and you will find what sets your soul on fire. And I loved photographing my kids and their babies. I love that. And um, once things got a little more emotional, I went through a separation. Um, I started doing self-portraits. And it was, there were things that I had been feeling. So it was just time for me to put it out there in my photography. So I stopped photographing other people. I stopped, you know, I would do friends and I, I would take on clients here and there. I stopped doing that. Uh, I didn't love it. I started doing self-portraits. The process, I taught myself um, a lot of YouTube. There's a lot of free information on Photoshop on YouTube. Yeah. I yeah. Just, yeah. YouTube's great. Um, there's Fantastic. a couple oh it's amazing there's a couple of photographers and and uh photoshop artists on youtube that i love um then uh i i did take classes and workshops with actual photographers really uh good photographers in the industry uh portrait photographers i, I took their online classes i took in-person workshops so i just really and i mean i found myself at work when I had free time, in my car when I was sitting there with free time, just watching, you know, I just filled all my free time watching and learning. And I'm still, I'm still going on YouTube. I'm still learning stuff. I'm still yeah. changing my process. But as far as the editing, I try to shoot most of my own stock. Um, I'll go to the Bronx Zoo and photograph animals. I will, you know, my friend had that pet snake. I said, oh, can you bring the snake over? I really love some pictures of your snake. The <laughs> uh, cougar was, it, that was a stock image I got online. Yeah. That's some things I, I can't, yeah, do myself. A lot of the but textures I use, yeah, I do myself. I like how you blend seamlessly, you know, what's real and what is like this fantasy element in a lot of these uh, photos and they're together. You know, like you said, it's a stock photo and it's a 2D image almost, but you, you bring it out where your body is in the same space as the cat. And it's tough to tell. And at first, like, you're like, what the? Oh, OK. You know, and then I get it, you know, but I just love how you do that because this this, you know, this dark fantasy element really um it's engaging like every photo like i find myself go clicking through it and i'm like i don't want to be this like click happy stalker on your page you know what i oh, mean but i'm away. like yeah <laughs> so it. like i'm clicking away on this and i was like you know i joked around with you the other day i was like you can't photoshop a fine ass like that you know <laughs> and you're like oh thank you you know but i was just like there's a lot of elements at play, like the knives or the blood that you're like on a, a chessboard or almost looks like a chessboard. Um, yeah, that was uh, linoleum from Home Depot. It was a big piece yeah. of black and white linoleum. It looks like a chessboard. Yeah, well, that's the kind um, of the thing that I got from it was like, oh, man, you know, is she the pawn, you know, or um, it looks like you can get these different um, ideas from a single image and it's powerful when it's done right. And I think you're doing that. I, I, 
I'm trying to turn your page on to as many people as we can. So Thank once you. this goes live, you're welcome. I, I'm going to put it out there on my page. Believe it or not, I mean, you know, Cinema Slaughter only has about 100 followers on Instagram, but my regular life at 33 RPMs, my vinyl page, I have like almost 1,700 followers, you know, like just watching it. So I kind of tag my regular page in it just because I'm getting more traction from that. So I'm trying to drive people to the other page now and say, hey, please like what we're doing, follow us, you know, and then so this way I'm trying to get some traffic to you too. Um, because I, I think that. more Thank people, you. you're welcome. And I think that's really what's great about um, social media. I mean, people love to piss and moan about, you know, the ills of it. And, and yes, it, it, there are shitty things at play in a lot of social media. Some of it is sinister, but there's a lot of really good people out there and there's a, a great community where like-minded people can share ideas they can share pain they can share understanding of that of that pain or you know just to say hey i love what you do and i think you're you know what you're doing is valid and we need a bigger audience for this you know and so that's really what i'm hopeful like more and more people will come out and see these types of things and say holy shit this person is really um she has a, a voice that's powerful because there is this feminist feminist bent to your to your work as well. And I, it's got to be empowering for you to say, hey, you know, I like some of your shirts. Like, I don't No one tells me what to do type of attitude, you know, <laughs> like you're not the boss of me, you know, fuck off. And yeah. I'm Women always about the middle. Shit, finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Women don't owe you shit. And that's, um, yeah. you know, I see a lot of I was just you know, you go down in this rabbit hole of videos and I saw this video of, of people just minding their own business, women just out having coffee. And some guy walks over to this woman and he puts his hand on her shoulder and starts talking to her. And this guy was posting a video of, of women just minding their own fucking business and like just being accosted, even if it's just, you know, what gives you the right? Like if it was my sister, I would be fucking pissed. Like you don't just yeah. put your hands on a person and start, coming on to this, this guy one he sees this woman she's like uh live streaming he goes over and puts puts his mouth like almost in her ear and starts whispering something yeah. in her like just whispering in her ear like it's like what the fuck like no one's no one's inviting you into my space right, who asked you buddy <laughs> yeah and so so you know and it's timely and i think this message needs to be out there and it's like you know Men and women need to be respectful of each other, not as men and women, just as human beings. Just, you know, yeah. you don't just turn around and grab someone's ass because you like this the way this woman looks or vice versa. You know, you know, people shouldn't be grabbing on people or pushing themselves onto them. Um, be, no one no one owes you shit. And uh, and I think that message needs to be out there. And this is like a, a really a really powerful time uh, to, to get it out there. Well, it's crazy because that, that this even needs to be said in 2021. And, right. you know, a lot of people hear the word feminist or feminism and they think, oh, man, hater, bra, burner. But that's not it. That's, you know, look, as women, we all have a story. We've all been either harassed or accosted or, you know, assaulted. And it wasn't until recently, like the advent of Me Too and that whole movement that brought this stuff to light. You know, a lot of people didn't understand um, what it's like to have an experience as a woman and the things that even, you know, when I, the saying women don't owe you shit, you're right. It, and 
nobody should be touching anybody, but it's even as simple as, you know, you're walking down the street and I've had this happen and, you know, a stranger tells you to smile. Well, who the fuck are you? You know, maybe I don't, you know, maybe I don't want to, I don't owe you a smile. I don't owe you a conversation. That's the other thing too. Like sometimes people feel like you owe them a conversation. You owe them to be friendly. And sometimes we are raised to feel obligated to engage people in conversation, even when we're uncomfortable. Or smile I, to somebody even when we're uncomfortable, out of fear or out of obligation. And, you know, that's what a lot of it is, too. And, uh, you know, to me, feminism is just about equality across the board, equality for everyone. And, uh, and, and not having to deal with those kinds of experiences and hopefully enlightening people to those kinds of experiences. Because, I mean, it's like I never had or generally a man doesn't get someone coming up to them and saying, oh, why aren't you smiling? Right. You know, I mean, it's like just think, treat that person, you know, people the same way. It's not a big deal. And it's you know? funny because I've heard women tell their daughters, oh, you know, sweetheart, you, you smile. You look pr so much prettier when you're smiling. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's just it. ingrained in culturally ingrained. Like we should be, you know, you should be you should be smiling all the time. You should be happy. Or, you know, I laugh at some of these old school ads in in these magazines where the woman you know oh it's your job as a woman to make sure your husband's happy when he comes home have his slipper and pipe ready for him it's like you? this june fucking cleaver they were like <laughs> training they were training women future generations you know to follow the rules and it's, funny it's crazy yeah, I, i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead no, I, my house is 150 years old. And when I was uh, renovating in the attic, I found newspapers from the 30s. And you are so on point about that. The ads and, mm -hmm. you know, the advertisements were so sexist. Like, it was oh an ad God. for deodorant or something. Like, hey, if you don't want to lose your man, wear this, this deodorant. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but you have, but what people don't realize today is the culture was so vastly different. It wasn't necessarily that they were creating a culture of sexism, but it's just that at that point, that's the way life was. So men were in the workplace. Women were home raising children. And that's how it went. It was only until World War Two that Rosie the Riveter or, you know, my grandmother was extremely independent um, during World War Two. My grandfathers were in World War Two. Um, you know, my dad's my dad's dad was older so you know he wasn't in world war ii but my my um maternal grandfather was and um and i was talking to my grandmother about that i'm like hey did you ever do that she was like oh we were down in the you know the brooklyn navy yard we were doing x y and z so my grandmother was independent during that time and she was doing that her thing she's like you know i always wanted to be a nurse I was like, Grandma, you would have made a great, a brilliant nurse. Like you would have been awesome because she's very caring and she is attentive. Um, well, she was when she she passed away. But I was like, why didn't you become a nurse? Oh, no, my my father would never have allowed me. He he did not want me to be a nurse because he didn't want me, you know, to see men naked or deal with, you know, changing bedpans or anything. I was like, Jesus, I'm like, yeah, but this is what you wanted out of life. What? And like you should. No, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't go against my dad. So there's that, you know, that, you know, living a life that you want to live. And be, living a life of, of what you're told to live. Right. I felt so sad for her and just talking yeah. about it now, I think about her. Um, 
and not being able to live that kind of life that she wanted to because of these rules that society places on people, you know, um, and I get it. You know, you some you want to make your parents happy. I think most people have that attitude, but to to not be able to pursue a, a, a thing that you wanted to do is really a sad way to go, you know, to go through your life. Um, and I just think, well, you know, how society has developed over time and what we're what we're looking at now um it's so drastically different and great because you know you just as a man i don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's subservient you know i don't even look at things like that you know so that's not how i was raised um but you know i see that this that these things still happen and it gets to me sometimes like i see that and it and it gets me mad and i'm not saying that i'm perfect either i know i've catcalled some people and i look and like oh shit you know that i could have been this me too guy was i this you know this sexist prick you know 30 years ago <laughs> you know what i mean it's like Sometimes you don't think like, oh, I was just complimenting a person. Well, maybe my compliment may have been misconstrued and I, you know, I was you know, being too aggressive. Um, but so, you know, I think it raises an awareness today that we didn't even think about when we were kids. Like if you saw someone who was hot and your kids in school, you know, people go about things very differently when you're a teenager than when you do when you were an adult. You grow up and you realize this is a person and I, I think I'm hurting their feelings by, by just giving them unwanted attention. I think um, I agree with you. Like sometimes we feel guilt over the things that we've done in the past before we knew better. But the fact that you know better now says a lot, you know, because some people, they, they just don't learn. They don't evolve. They don't grow. And look, there was a point in my life where I didn't think there was anything wrong with catcalling. I was in high school and a construction worker was catcalling me at the school. He was doing work in the high school. Holy and shit. every day he was catcalling me. And I didn't, at the time, I thought it was funny. Me and my friends thought it was funny. Like, I didn't see anything wrong with it. And now I'm like, ew, that's gross. Especially, like, like he's in his late 20s, probably. And he's, probably and he's, in his yeah, catcalling yeah, a freaking 17-year-old. <laughs> right. So now it's like you look back and you're like, you know, all these problematic behaviors that you didn't recognize, we know better now, or we should at this point. We should, you right. Know, it, we should all know that. better yeah. So there's nothing really, you know, I think everybody has that bit of guilt, like, oh, God, you know, my behavior 10, 20 years ago, so embarrassing. And that's what shows you that you've grown as a person, you know, because we've all we've all done that stuff. Yeah, I think so. And but I hear I'm not you know, proud of. Part of no, go ahead. Tell me. What were you going to say? I'm sorry, you froze for a second. Oh, I did. OK, no, I said, go oh, ahead. No. Finish what. <laughs> Yeah, just the the fact that we've all done these these things that at the time we didn't know we didn't know how bad it was. We didn't. It's now it's like cringy, you know. Like yeah, we all exactly. know better. I think the younger generations now are um, they're kind of more enlightened. They're more they're more woke. They to other people. To, they have more empathy for other people. You know, and I hear people rip on like these these younger. First of all, the thing that drives me crazy is that people are calling anyone under 40 a millennial from 40 to birth like no they're not all millennials anymore like let's stop like millennials are now in their 30s like right you know with gen gen y gen z i i don't know exactly but you know each generation gets more i think is getting more empathy and more awareness for each other you know that's i think the thing so that's, too you know and then there's this 
it is good to see. And I think there's this this rush to, you know, in and in social media. Oh, you know, you're OK. Um, you know, millennials, you're just lazy or you're whiny or you're this, you're that. And, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's about empathy. And if you can empathize with another person and you can feel um, the pain that they're feeling, it, I think it keys you into when you see a woman who looks sad or is frowning and upset, you instead of saying you should be smiling and talk like an idiot, you could say, are you OK? Right. And I think right. that's the difference. I think that's the real difference, because if if you see someone hurting, you don't want to just ignore that. You know, you don't want to just blow them off or or belittle them. Yeah. Or make it worse. Right. Obviously, there's something that's not causing this person to smile. Maybe they're pensive. They're talking or they're thinking to themselves and you're not outwardly trying to project a feeling of happiness or any type of emotion. You're neutral and some or, some moron, you know, is trying to make you look. Oh, you need to be pretty. It's like kiss or, my ass. Or maybe if they're just walking around, it would kind of make them look like a lunatic if they were just walking around with a big smile on their face. <laughs> yeah, I know so many. People, it's like <laughs> I know that is like what are you what are you smiling like a lunatic for? But um, anyway, you know it's. <laughs> but there's there's this weird thing of like um, okay boomer, you know that that type of attitude where they you know the knee jerk reaction is pitting people against each other. And I think it's the same thing. Politics, um, ageism, you know, people. Yeah. It's funny because my nephew called me, he's at college and he was like, you know, he, I got him into watching the thing to the point where, you know, he turns on John Carpenter's the thing and has it in the background with a friend of his and they'll just have horror movies playing, you know, cause I'm getting him into, well, he's getting into horror himself, but he's like, Hey, can what um, horror movies have you seen that you can recommend? I heard hereditary is good. And I'm like, Oh my God, you need to watch this. And I recommended some movies. So he FaceTimes me from college. Oh, we saw this. So it's like, I'm 52. He's 19. And it's like, He's getting into this stuff now. You know what I mean? And we're like, hey, when you come home from college, we got some movies to catch up on and and all this other stuff. So I think people, you know, they they move themselves away from connecting with a human being by by trying to draw lines of demarcation. They, they create these barriers like you're a millennial, so you're weak and you're not as strong as the greatest generation, which I don't even, right. you know, I, I get that phrase because they fought in World War II and they fought against real, just, you know, evil um, and, you know, genocide. And so I get why you would have that. But, you know, the greatest generation, they hanged people in the South. You know, they 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 murdered people in cold blood. The same great greatest generation that fought Nazis, you know, were you know, didn't want were had signs that read whites only. So right. they're human beings. They're fallible. They made, you know, grievous mistakes. And we're living with, you know, the history, you know, that shows that. And I think, you know, that knee jerk reaction of let's make, you know, let's make this place great again. There are many people that take offense to that because as great as it was, as it was, it was as horrific. It was as horrific as it was, you know. So I think when when people look at these painful images, they need to understand where these things come from, and they need to understand how people can heal from it. And I think that's really important. That yeah, you may not be a horror fan per se, but these scary images reflect pain, 
And I think it really is important for people to look at this because not for, not just for you feeling cathartic and a way of overcoming it, but to create a, a dialogue to, that we can, we shouldn't be afraid to discuss these things and people shouldn't be so uh, afraid of discourse. And I think there's a, there's this urge towards anti-intellectualism in this country. And I think you're, and people like you um, are pushing the envelope to banish that. And people should be looking at these images and feeling disturbed by them and saying, what, what causes me to react to this? Am I feeling a sense of understanding with this person? Am I connecting with them because it's so important? Um, I think you're awesome, Tina. And I'm so happy you're here. Thank yeah, you. because it's really, it affects me to, you know, to, to experience what you're experiencing. And I, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. I try to, you know, a lot of times I try to put out, um, obviously my own experiences, my own emotions, things that I've gone through, but I also try to make people aware, mostly like on my Instagram story, not really so much on my page with my work, but Mm -hmm. um, things other people go through. Cause you're right. Like, I mean, older generations may say, oh, we were the greatest. We fought, we did this, but you really weren't that great at, at a lot of things. You know, you know, maybe you were stronger at certain things, but you didn't have the empathy and you didn't have the awareness to look at someone else's life through their experience. And I think yeah. it's really important for all of us to start unlearning a lot of that behavior that was handed down to us and to, you know, just kind of appreciate where someone else is coming from. Mm -hmm. We're taught that as kids, like put yourself in someone else's shoes, but no, really try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. We didn't all grow up with the same experiences. And uh, I mean, my work, I try to make it relatable to everybody because I think most of it centers on uh, emotional well-being and mental health struggles, which I have. And I think everybody has. I, mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I think most people have some kind of mental health struggles. And yeah. I think we need to be talking about that. That's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, the stigma needs to go away. The stigma of taking medication. I mean, I, I put it right out there on my work. I take medication. Um, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, I know a lot of people take medication. It's helpful. I think if you had a heart condition or if you, um, had a high blood pressure or any, you would take medication. Why is mental health any different? If it's something that's helpful to you and that betters your life, take the medication. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big advocate of uh, healing yourself by any means necessary with therapy or medication or, you know, whatever, but don't be afraid to talk about it because it's not right. just you. It's not, there's nothing embarrassing or, uh, you know, it, it's just the stigma. And it's, it's unfortunate because especially I think in our culture of, you know, with men are more likely to hide that because they see it as weakness. Yeah. I think we should stop doing that. I agree with you. I mean, there is this need to be macho and to, and to, you know, put on this facade of strength. And I, you know, Omar and I, and I, I have other friends of like mind where, you know, I, I have plenty of friends. I love you, brother. You know, I love you, man. And I love you too. And I want people to know that, you know, they're not alone. You're not dealing with these things alone. And I used to suffer from a seasonal depression that was really bad. I'll, you know, like I would feel it in the beginning of October. And as the seasons changed, you know, I, I, I would be down in, in the dumps, you know, as soon as I started seeing leaves coming off the trees and it would just carry through until like May and I would start to feel better. 
Um, and it took me a long time for myself. I didn't, you know, I didn't really take meds, but I, it took me a while to be able to recognize it when it was happening and take steps to try and overcome it. But even things recently, like, you know, losing a job and, you know, the, and then bouncing from career to career and not making any money and worried about my family, you know, I mean, I, even just starting a new job at 50 years old and suddenly I'm working in a new place and I'm not an expert anymore and trying to, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. A lot of these things are like ego whips, you know, it's like you're trying to overcome such, you know, this pain or whatever. And, and through artwork, through music, through even just reading, you know, whatever it is that you connect, you can connect with and look and see that, you know, this pain doesn't isolate you. You know, there are a lot of people who feel this. Um, I think that's really the purpose of art. And I think it's good too bad art. someone didn't just tell you to smile. Like someone just could have told you to smile. They do. They say, been. you know, you look so pretty when you smile. Why don't you just smile through <laughs> this? You know, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Why didn't I think of that? Why the hell not? <laughs> It'll take care of I everything. Mean, and then they pinched like, my ass and oh, everything no. was great again. So I really appreciate I think, that ass pinching. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm all better. No, I think the, the biggest thing with, with that is um, being aware of it. You know, if you're not aware of an issue that you have, you can't fix it. And right. it took me a long time. It was, it was only recent in recent years that I was aware of, of the issues that I have that I could start to heal and realize how my behavior affected, you know, my life and people around me. And it, it took a long time, but, but, you got to be open to admitting and acknowledging there's an issue and then you could start to change it. You know, like you're very aware that you have a season seasonal depression. And I'm sure that once you realized what was going on, it made it a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. And, um, and I think there are more people nowadays that are willing to talk about it, willing to recognize it. And they, they say, Hey, it's not, um, it's, it's not a stigma, you know, that there's, um, you know, there's ennui that creeps into everything, you know, modern society. And especially now, the last year, cooped up in a house by yourself, getting, you know, if you, people, um, you know, they get sick or dealing with, um, you know, isolationism. I mean, all of these things, you know, it plays a it plays a factor in um, and, you know, it and it tends to inform art. And a lot of um, a lot of people create some amazing things when they they feel this sense of of um, existential dread. And I love that word. I love that phrase, existential I, dread. I use that a lot. People are like, "What? Like, what is? <laughs> what is like, a lot of people don't get it." I know. <laughs> yeah, I existential will. dread. Right yeah, now, it's a, especially. Yes, Everyone. exactly. So. Um, I don't know how much time you had. I'm sorry to, you know, we're, we're going a little bit longer than I thought we were going to go to, but I'm happy we did because uh, it was really great bringing you in and talking to you about this stuff. You know, some of the, uh, oh, let, let's plug you. So let's, um, well, let's not plug you, but let's plug Etsy, right? You have an Etsy page. I do have an Etsy page. It's the link is in my, uh, my Instagram page. It's uh, and what's the, your Instagram page. It's, it's the dark queen, uh, but no vowels. It's, so it's T H D R K Q W N. So at yes. the dark queen. And then yep. uh, the link is in the bio for my, my Etsy page is, um, you know, for other artists and photographers, I sell stock, stock photos, PNG files, textures, stuff like that. Yeah. And I Very always cool. love to see uh, when, when someone uses my, my stock, I, I love to see their work. I, I do stress that on my page. If you could share cool. it. 
Yep. Yeah. Thank be, you, buddy. Yeah, you're welcome. It was like Omar and I, we were immediately, I'm like, Omar, we need to interview her and have her on here and plug the page. And he's like, absolutely. He's like, her stuff is amazing. So, you know, Omar is like kind of my, you know, he's my go-to to to like set my soundboard, you know, because I'll have an idea and he's like, ah, you know, this movie sucks. Let's not talk about this movie. You know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, well, or this, you know, this is a good idea. Let's do this. But immediately we were both on board with having you on here. Plus you're such you're an interesting person and i always liked you um just on a on a personal level you know i was telling you i was like yeah i've known <laughs> tina for 28 years or something like 20 i'm like i used to yeah. play Dungeons and dragons joe was like 13 years old he was a little I he know. was the littlest kid in the in the group you know and i was the oldest but we were playing with a bunch of just a bunch of us and we we went from like i think i was 21 we were playing Dungeons and Dragons and your brother was little. And then it was me, Bill, Nape. It was like all of us, but it was such a wide range of ages in that group. Um, and I, I met you that. from there. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was just. I played a few times and I got kicked out. I didn't take it serious enough. And Billy kicked me. <laughs> he kicked me out. <laughs> <and> he <was laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we weren't the He-Man Woman like... Haters Club. I mean, there was women. There were women that played with us and was like a rotation. But I remember you you joined for for an adventure or two. And but you didn't play when I played. And I was like, oh, well, Tina's no. playing now. And you're like, no, she. Yeah, but she's not playing. She's not serious about it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, because we were like D&D Nazis. And if you weren't yeah. serious, you were the fuck out of there. I mean, we were reading novels every day and just like playing like, you know, we played for 12, 14 hours at a clip sometimes and or, or longer. Um, but yeah, so we were totally into that stuff, man. But uh, it was Never good to... it at the time, the, the length of time you guys did it. But I, I'll tell you what, I could pass six to eight hours in Photoshop, like no problem. I get it yeah, now. But you see, everyone's got their thing. Yeah. You know, it's like I've gone to movie, um, you know, 12, 14 hour movie marathons in a theater where they show like six movies, movie trailers and all this other stuff. Like we could do that standing on our heads. You know what I mean? It's like it, it all depends. And then my brother in law, you know, he lo- he could sit there for, for 12 hours and watch football games because he's passionate about football. So it's like whatever it is there, you know, that you find that you connect with, do it, you know, but, you know, whatever that is. Um I think it's important for people to have those kinds of hobbies because I, I know I do, and I'm unapologetic about it. Fuck, we started a podcast because of it, you know. So yeah, you got to do what what you're passionate about and uh, what moves you. You know, that's that's the best way to get through this life. You've got to have something that sets your soul on fire that that you really enjoy, that you love. You know, it just it's just doing work and commuting and your your day to day bullshit. That's not it. No, for yourself, whatever it is. Yeah. A friend of mine just told me that a guy that she works with, she works in in the correctional facility and one of the guards, 38 years old, just died and he died in his sleep. And she was like, you just don't know. He was such a nice guy. And I don't know how he died, but he just passed overnight and you just never see that person again. And you just she's like, you just have to live your life and whatever you're passionate about. You have to just embrace the things that you want out of this life whatever it is on a, on a daily basis just even if it's getting together with friends do it yeah do it this. now don't wait to retire i know right. a lot of people i work with they're waiting till they retire to do, don't wait until you retire do especially now with covid you know people you know you, there's no guarantee covid is really scary it's really it's killing a lot of like young people and you just don't know i mean yeah 
I mean, people think it's a joke. I know quite a few people that have had COVID and they were, they're young people and they were in the hospital. They were sick as, you know, for months, they couldn't even walk from their bedroom to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. They were like literally sleeping at, outside their bathroom door on the floor because they couldn't, they were out of breath going from the bedroom to the bathroom in their small apartment. Um, yeah. And it's just a scary thing to deal with. And uh, I had it you know, pretty bad. I know I didn't want to say I was waiting if you wanted to tell it, you know, that's your prerogative. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I know you dealt with it, too. And you were sick for a while. And it's a scary thing. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was um, I was in bed for weeks. I missed months of work. Um, I didn't see my kids for a while. They were they were with their father. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have lingering. I have a lingering condition from it where I can't breathe like I used to. I can't exert myself like I used to. And uh, it was a year ago. This week is actually a year that it happened. Yeah. So in the oh, beginning wow. of the pandemic, people were not really wearing masks all that much yet. It wasn't a it wasn't a law. Um, and I had it really bad. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I made it, but I do have lasting uh, health issues. And I think the, the bigger picture, too, when this is all over is the, the PTSD and the mental health issues that are going to, you know, affect everybody, not just if you had it, but if you lost your job, if you lost a relative, if you it's going to touch everyone in some way. Yeah, you, know, so you need to I know. I mean, Omar had a COVID scare. I had two of them and I thought I was sick. I had massive fever and I, I ended up getting sick with something else. But I was working from home for the last year, cooped up in the house. And only until the last week, I'm actually back in the office feeling like, oh, man, you know, it's exciting. I'm, I have a commute again. You know, it feels good to be out of the house and get in a car and drive to work. And I never thought I'd be feeling that, you know, but it's, right. you need, it's vital to get your like mind and body moving again. So... Yeah, I, it's, <laughs> I know. Even it's not that far. You know, I used to commute to Jersey. I would commute to the city for a while on the train, you know, two hours each way. Um, but this is like, you know, maybe a half hour, 25 minutes. And I'm like, oh, that's a, it's a no brainer now. You know, I go into the office and, you know, people are starting to, like you said, be, you know, they're, they're wearing masks. They're doing the things that they're supposed to. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are starting to get vaccinated. Um, I think people are moving towards resolution of this, but um, you know, it's, it's good to, it's good to have you okay. And, and making sure that, you know, I, I have a lot of friends, like I said, quite a few friends got sick with COVID and I'm, none of them passed. Although I lost my aunt at the beginning of January, she was in 93. She died of COVID. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, there's people say, oh, she was 93. Yeah, but she was a feisty, fiery old woman and she didn't take crap from anyone either. You know, she was like and unfortunately, she didn't listen when I was like, hey, wear your mask, wear your mask in public. And she didn't. She was go around in her you know, apartment complex and talk to people and she wasn't wearing a mask and she, someone had it and she caught it and was in the hospital for, you know, almost two months she and she died. Oh, regardless wow. of her age i mean that's it's tragic because she yeah. lived 93 years think about all the things that she endured in her life and then to be mm -hmm. stumped out by this virus is really sad it is it sucks and i wish she was wasn't so stubborn because you know she should have she could have she would be alive right now you know she would she would still be you know alive and kicking and it just stinks that people deal you know they don't they're short-sighted they don't they don't think of how mm -hmm. you know this affects them um hmm. Anyway, I really am happy you joined us. Um, your, your, your pages are awesome. And, you know, I'm, I, maybe we can catch up one day. We'll, we'll get together in public when this when this BS is over. And yeah, I um, love that. 
Yeah, me too. It would be it would be cool to hang out and have a couple of drinks and you know whatever. In real life. In real life, yeah. And the kids <laughs> say IRL in real life. <laughs> exactly. It would be awesome to do it in real life. Yeah. Um, but Omar, yeah, really so... nice to meet you. Oh, good to meet you too. You're in Florida, right? Yes, I am. I am in. Uh, actually, enjoy. I was outside before enjoying the gorgeous weather. It's uh, yeah. I, I see it's raining behind you. I'm I'm sorry about that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's been it was nice, just... but as I was say, when if you're in New York, you can join us in real life. At IRL, we'll go have a couple. <laughs> I, I definitely, once things die down, I, I intend to go back up there because I have family in Jersey. And so I definitely want to, uh, you know, go and get, you know, visit a lot of people, you know, it's just, yeah. uh, it's been, it's been so rough lately. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't seen family members in, in years now. So, yeah. We're going to put something together where we'll all get together. We'll go out and definitely eat. We'll get some drinks and yeah, we'll, I'll talk to you about some horror movies that we should be watching. Yeah, let me know. I'm game. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you a list. You definitely got to check some of these things out. So, definitely. Well, as long as it's not too scary, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. She right. needs to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm entering the next phase of my life where I think maybe I should be scared. Like, I think I should. You want to talk about catharsis? The, to be terrified <laughs> is cathartic. Mm. help so, me with that Lenny. help me i i plan on it i'm gonna help you out so we're gonna we're gonna take care of that possum all right so uh yeah i look forward to next time we get a chance to do this maybe we'll talk about some horror movies that you were exposed to that you watched and we'll find out if, if any of those horror movies had an effect on you and see what you think well give me a list of movies i should watch and we'll see where it takes my work oh <laughs> yeah that's what i like all right cool all right definitely i'm gonna give you a list omar and i will come up with a list of stuff like a top five that we think you should start with and then we'll see what you okay. see how you take i'm definitely down all right yeah cool. we reviewed we reviewed one yesterday so yeah yeah so uh i and anyone listening to this please check out tina's page it's awesome stuff i mean she's really talented and deserves some recognition check us out on instagram we hope you guys like this and uh, we'll talk to you soon Thanks, Lenny. Thanks, Omar.